2: On today's podcast, my guest is comedian Bron Lewis, who joins me all the way from Brisbane to talk about her career. My name is Justin Hamilton and give me a red light with five minutes to go on Big Squid. me today i wanted to have bron lewis on as we're new friends like we literally met a few months ago and uh, i'd heard some good stuff about her, but i hadn't seen her perform i hadn't hung out that's very much a post lockdown situation isn't it Uh, you hear rumors about people but it takes a long time for you to come into their orbit so we did a week of gigs and it was great we were here in Sydney we were in a couple of different places then we were at the comedy store and I liked her jokes I liked her perspective I liked her on-stage persona but even more so I really liked her we just kind of really were on the same wavelength and I thought well I'd like to get to know more about her so why don't I get her on the podcast and we can all discover more about her together. And it's also a pretty unique introduction to the world of comedy. Uh, She comes at it from a very interesting angle. It's, It's quite a funny one. So I think you're in for a real treat today if you haven't seen her before. And if you have seen her before, you'll get to know her a little bit better. It's a short week here in Sydney, so the Chitter Chatter podcast, normally out on a Monday morning, that came out on a Tuesday morning. So if for some reason you are elsewhere in the world and you missed it, check your feed. It came out on a Tuesday morning and this week we had Adam Richard talking about potatoes. I know, how interesting are potatoes? Turns out pretty interesting. So check that out. Uh, Next week we have our two-part live show that was recorded in Adelaide. That's a Big, big show, so I had to split it in half, and that's fantastic. And we also have a special edition of Space Podercy with Rove McManus discussing one of the all-time great sci-fi movies. And uh, also, we have a new Beautiful Tales for the Disenchanted that's just around the corner, so uh, a lot to look forward to in the next couple of weeks. Uh, We're into October now, which also means my new solo show, Little Victories, is just around the corner on the 28th my God, that's coming around really quickly. It's at the Sydney Comedy Store and my Big Squid listeners can tap into a discounted ticket by using the promo code PODCAST. Now, uh, when you go to the site, make sure you use that promo code. I want you to save a little bit of money and uh, if you want to find links, head to comedy.com.au and look up my show and uh, as I said, once again, use PODCAST to save yourself a little bit of money. If you'd like to support the work that my friends and I are doing here, head to patreon.com forward slash Justin Hamilton underscore Big Squid. That's patreon.com forward slash Justin Hamilton underscore Big Squid. And you can find it here that suits you. Uh, by signing up, you'll get access to scripts, bonus podcasts, and uh, look, you'll get even bigger discounts to live shows, which was something that I'd been promising. And then everything kept going into lockdown. So now that there's going to be more live shows, uh, that will really uh, pay off. If money is tight, top reviews on Apple Podcasts or even suggesting us to your friends who might not be aware of our work is really helpful. So never discount how important word of mouth is. Uh, I hope you enjoyed today's podcast. So let's get to it and bring in the very funny Bron Lewis. I appreciate you joining me today because you have been out with the kids this morning at the what was it was it the the expa was that what you called
1: it oh you were so close it's called the echo and if that means of you got that wrong if you ever come to Brisbane you will be sacrificed <laughs> right <laughs> yeah how do you uh, I had a feeling yeah the Eka.
2: yeah so can you explain what that is for people who aren't across yeah it?
1: sure. It's the Brisbane Royal Show. I don't know if the royal comes in there. I don't think there's anything royal about Brisbane, but there's the Brisbane annual show, and it was quite big this year uh, because last year it got cancelled yeah. um, yeah. for obvious reasons, and maybe even the year before. And so this year they've have. I'm, I'm not sure if every year they have a, a public holiday, but there was a public holiday this year, right smack bam in the middle of the week. Uh, and that was because if they put it on a Monday, people would just go away for a long weekend. If they put it on a Tuesday, people would go, ah, that's okay, I'll just have Monday off and go away. <laughs> they put it right in the middle of the week. So they're like, you have to come to the show. And uh, so they, so people went. People went in droves and it's so, so disgustingly expensive and um, they really lean into that carny vibe where every, they're only, I think the only food you can buy there. Is a Dagwood dog. Great. And a giant Coca Cola. And I thought about it for a while. I was like, why on earth are they only selling Dagwood dogs? And then I noticed most of the people who work there didn't have teeth. So it was kind of like <laughs> a kindness, right? It was accessible food, you know? Yeah. Did you get one? I didn't get one because it was nine in the morning, but they were p- very popular.
2: That is such a good point there's certain foods that you just can't eat at certain times.
1: Yeah. But there's also certain foods you can't eat with no teeth. Right. And so this one, these were there was, I guess you kind of have to weigh it up. Yeah. It's like, yes, I can eat that. I don't feel like it. But do I want to starve to death? So, like would well, dog it is, and, baby. And, and how'd you
2: go with the uh, <laughs> uh, the, the sh- show bags? Like, were you, show
1: bags, yeah. did you have to get, because
2: yes. you have three children, do you?
1: I have three, but one's, one's too stupid to understand what's going on. He's only one. Right. So he was kind of looking. He was just bewildered the whole time. And then the, the girls are a bit older, so eight and six or something, and so they did understand show bags. Right. So we went in, and the show bag area is bigger than the ride area. Oh, right. So it, it, it's just rows and rows and rows. Of, and they put no effort into it anymore, Hamo. Like it used to be like, okay, cool, like there's like little toys or like little yep. somethings in it. It's just giant bags and they have like, you know, chocolate favourites. Yep. Like, it, But they've like sorted them out. And so it's like this one is the caramella Koala bag and it has eight caramella Koalas in it and that's it.
2: Oh. And then
1: this one is the Twix one and it has fun-sized Twix things, six of those maybe. That's it, and then so there's not even like a, I'm like, Oh, I'll just go to the shop. Um, you know, I turned into one of those mums. I could do that for you. I could do that. Let's yep. go past Woolies. <laughs> I'll get a bag of things, I'll put it in a, a plastic bag, bumps your uncle. They're like, It's not the same, mum. So we end up having to buy ten dollars worth of Caramello koalas, which turns out to be six caramelo koalas. That is so, is a good bag for money, absolutely.
2: Damn, that is outrageous! Look, I'm going to get really old here. Back in the day when I was a yeah. kid and I was going to the Adelaide Royal Show, which was you know 70s and the 80s, like you'd get like the Kiss bag, and it would have like four masks of each member of Kiss, you know, and not just a the mask; oh, they had true. hair on them. So, oh, that is really you know, you and you'd and you'd get some random kind of chocolate in there that was like somehow associated with Kiss and there was like a jigsaw puzzle and you know you got a deed to your first house and you know it was it <laughs> was it was a bargain you know and then uh and you know the, the birdie beetle bag like it didn't just come with birdie They're beetle it came with like stacks of different options it was just it was birdie beetles bag mm. and that was the main option but there were lots of different little treats within it
1: yeah, because it can. I think it's that thing like you've got all of the, the – thi- like all of it's crap anyway. Like it's all plastic and crap. But at least they've tried. At least they've pretended that it's more than just bits of chocolate. They had two different types of birdie beetle bags. They had one that was I think $10 and it had maybe eight, ty- eight birdie beetles in it. And then they were like the jumbo birdie beetle one and that was $20 and it had about 18 birdie beetle things in it. And that was incredible. Right. Yeah, I obviously bought heaps of those, but uh, no, I I kind of left being like this. Is... The girls loved it so much yeah. uh, that they like they thought it was uh, absolutely worth it. But I don't know, you kind of as a jaded adult, you're like you you know you're getting ripped off the entire time, yeah. and there's something about that sits very poorly with me.
0: Yeah,
1: <laughs> uh, but it's full. Poor people, yeah. something to do, right, Yeah, in Brisbane. Yeah,
2: and the kids love it and they want to do it. So what what are the good stuff that your girls are into? Good stuff that
1: they're into? Yeah, like
2: the stuff that you can um, watch and yeah. you get to have something out of it. Like my friend uh, <coughs> Craig Egan uh, introduced me to Bluey. I, 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 Bluey, he's obsessed with Bluey. I, he, he
1: loves Bluey so mate, much. Mate, he
2: bangs on about Bluey so much, I'm wondering <laughs> if his kids actually like it. Like I feel like he's... Forcing them at gunpoint to watch Bluey. But I'd, I'd heard a lot about Bluey.
1: And it's a good And then show. I watched
2: it and I was like, oh, yeah, I can completely see why this is fantastic.
1: Yeah. I think the kids kids kind of like it, but I think it's far I don't know, I reckon more adults like it than kids these days. But Craig Egan when I know on Facebook when he basically does a countdown yeah. to like the new season being released, which is incredible. Yeah. And you'll be like, Yes, it's released today, guys. And I'm like, Wow, he really, he really loves yeah. it. But it is adorable. Yeah. It is adorable. And it uh, I think the only criticism, but it's not even a criticism. It's just I'm really picking for criticisms of Bluey. Is it um, that parents are always so keen to play with the kids, and I just find that really, I don't know. Um, you know, obviously it's me projecting. Um, you go, well, I'm not want to play with them all the time, and those games look really hard and messy, and I just want to sit down. But uh, and then like the dad will go say things like, "Okay, well, can we just play a game where I lie down, and then they play, do like a really funny, um, painful." Uh, hospital game right. which is still I, but I don't even want to play a hospital yeah. game. you know you're like and I do like playing with kids but not as much as them I think they make me feel a bit bad about my parenting and rightly so actually they've got a problem. right
2: so do you think there needs to be an episode yeah. of Bluey where just for once dad says can you kids fuck off and that will make you feel fine yeah. because they're just showing you the good yeah. bits of Bluey's I- life
1: yeah, I know. Yeah. And I saw, um, I heard on a podcast once, a guy said, "Also, dogs are never born one at a time." Well, I'm like, "Oh my god!" So ever since that, because there's two, <laughs> there's two sisters on yeah. it, and they are different ages. And I'm like, "Oh!" Now I'm like, "What happened to Bluey's litter?" <laughs> What about Bingo's list? You know, are
2: they the pickers? I, I there, people are just tedious. like. I saw, <laughs> I saw, uh, someone had posted on Twitter. Uh, it's a, it's a Twitter handle that I follow. That's about loving ducks, and it's always just ducks doing duck things, and it's yep. cute as. And there was one yeah. where people were running a marathon, and there is a duck involved and he's running alongside with everybody and at the end he crosses the line and everyone gives the duck a medal and it's fucking gorgeous and then someone has to write well that's technically not a marathon yeah. <laughs> and starts picking down actually what they were doing oh my and God. it's like just go away like go and do go, go over to a uh, a precarious uh overhanging rock and push at it with your face so when it collapses <laughs> on you no one gives a shit because you're a tedious hat. yeah
1: no one has to clean it up. Yeah, I made a, um, the people are tedious. I've, I've put, I made, put done a few like social media posts, like silly videos lately yeah. and I haven't done a lot of those. Um, but I've just kind of like, I'm like, oh, well, I'll give it a go. see what this is about. I did one and it one was about, at least it was actually uh, one of my stand-up clips, very short, like 30 seconds. And I'd asked uh, someone how old their baby was and she said, oh, 14 months or something. And then I make a joke about how. Parents can be quite insufferable when they count the months like right. that because I I can't I can't do that with my third it's impossible so I make a joke about that and a lot of uh, got like quite a lot of people responding to it really well but then this morning I opened up and this one lady was like actually twelve month old babies are very different to eighteen month old babies and eighteen month old babies are very different to twenty four month old wow. babies. That is incredible. Thank you so much for pointing that out. You're right. I'll delete the whole clip. What is the, sp- what is the point? But this is like they, they she had to. She had to do it. She couldn't just be like, I I see this as a joke. And if she's got three kids, she probably knows that one-year-olds are different to two-year-olds. But I will point it out just in case, just to let her know. Or well, maybe you
2: don't know. Like maybe I
1: don't know. Maybe yeah.
2: you know. Maybe <laughs> your eight-year-old's sleeping in a cot still. You know, and uh,
1: <laughs> exactly, she's eating one dogs still. I'm like, what? when's her teeth going to come in? Yeah.
2: yeah. Man, people are hard work. People are such hard work, and especially when it's just something that's fun. You know, something that's just yeah. fun and in the moment, and then they just have to come in. And like, I'd just prefer they came in and just wrote. Uh, excuse me, I don't know how to experience joy. Thank you. And I go, <laughs> oh, yeah, thanks. I get that. I'm sorry. That's a bummer. Yeah. I'm
1: sorry. Yeah, yeah like a duck running a marathon. How do you even try? Yeah, and- it was not really a oh, marathon. Like, it.
2: technically, what they're doing, oh, mate, fuck off. Oh Just God. fuck off. <laughs> you know, uh, I, I don't believe in bullying, but some bullying is good. You know, and people started. So some people started getting stuck into this guy. I was very happy with that. My favourite bit of uh, bullying, which is such a weird sentence and I know someone's not going to listen to this in context and write to me and say, you know, that's bullying's really bad. Go, yeah, no, I get it, fuck it. But so, my favourite bit of bullying was someone on the ABC Instagram site. And there was a story about Penny Wong and th- this person came in hard and just was like being not... Not racist enough to be deleted, but you know, implying mm-hmm. and and mm-hmm. and banging on about uh, ABC's always left leaning and uh, and blah blah blah. And at the end said, and just you know, once again the ABC panders to Labor, but spelt pandas P A P-A-N-D-A. N D A. And then within seconds, yeah. people are just going panda yeah. and then putting kung fu panda yeah. or a panda <laughs> scratching its bum and sniffing its fingers and falling over. And and, and it was just relentless. And then suddenly he's, hey, this, I'm being bullied. Yeah. It's like, great, great.
1: You asked for you it. You deserved it. <laughs> also, adorable spelling mistake. Adorable. Adorable. <laughs> you, it's actually, <laughs> you're an adorable, silly little man. Yeah. If, yeah. While, while you're adorable. having a
2: crack, just yeah. Run your eyes over it before you press send. <laughs> you know,
1: I work um, for the project once a week or twice a week or something. But and I just I do the comedy writing, and one of part of the, when you're a comedy writer, one of your jobs is to answer respond to all the Facebook um, messages. Oh, right. So obviously, yeah. Can you imagine the people writing into the? Project? I can. Can you have it in it to imagine what they like? So it's just people like there's some like you know people who are you know quite genuinely wanting to get an important story mm. up but that's not my job i don't i don't assess stories i'm not that important i just respond to people who are saying things like oh lisa's a fat dog why she's still on air god she's old like currently like or who's dressing her like some blind dickhead uh-huh. and, and i have to just, hello thank you for your feedback um Have a good day. Like, you know, like what do they think I'm going to say? Right. I just, I just said, I'll come for you. Like I just, i got to not know what they think is going to happen. But it's always, yeah, a lot of people who are quite, quite mental will um, film themselves and send through like video upon video upon video and upon video. And often we just have to go like, you know, just you just don't have to watch them because they're, Really bananas, right? But sometimes if it's a quiet shift, yeah. I'll feast my eyes on those for <laughs> <laughs> so yeah. long. I'll be like, wow, look what the other side looks wow. like. It looks, yeah, <laughs> really wild. Yeah, yeah, a tasty
2: little self esteem boost.
1: Oh, I was a bit yeah. down on
2: myself, but look at this asshole. Yeah,
1: exactly. I'm back. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. One guy thought it was convinced he'd, he'd invented the whole idea, like the whole premise of the show. And he, so he was. He, I loved that one probably the most. He just wrote, sent in video and vi, upon video of, of him like starting with like it's fine that you've taken the show, good for you. Um, actually, it's a compliment, but I would like some money for it now. And then, and then the video, the videos just progressively got to him being really fed up with people ignoring yeah. him. Okay, I've given you lots of warnings. I am actually currently staying in, and then said some horrible, like two-star hotel at the like outskirts of of Melbourne. If someone could come and drop that money off today, that would be. And then getting angrier and angry And I, it was the best shift of my life. I think. Right. Yeah. You know, (laughs) if if I had
2: um a little bit more time, I would love to film a a series of them with like a little fake moustache, claiming something like you know. Yeah. I don't mean to be rude, but that Peter Hellier has stolen my career, and uh, I'm fine with it. But I, I, I was meant to be Rose, mate, and uh, if if Pete could send me some money and just send them all through and wait until someone finally clocks that it, it's me. Yeah,
1: <laughs> yeah. Okay, he's really, he's really lost. Yeah, it.
2: <laughs> and what's going on with that weird moustache? So. Um, so I was dying to know uh, what what your uh, girls like that you might be enjoying because the reason I ask is uh, two of my well three of my oldest friends are coming up to Sydney this weekend and mm. it's uh, my friend Sam with her daughters and they are coming that the daughters have gotten Sam into uh, K-pop and there's a big festival on Ooh, here that's good. and she oh fun yeah she's in. Sam's in, like, to the extent right. that, you know, because I'm friends with the daughters as well and, uh, mm-hmm. you know, uh, Izzy and Jasmine and sometimes I'm sitting there thinking, why is Sam telling me all about K-pop? Sh- sh- yeah, she knows too she much. She knows too much. So.
1: <laughs> well, at, well, their shows, I'm not really interested in any of their shows, <laughs> unfortunately, Um And also they're at this weird age, so they're six six and eight, so the eight-year-old thinks she's a teenager, so she really likes shows that the the six-year-old hates. the six-year-old still likes cartoons. So it's very, very rarely that Venn diagram, like the middle area is, you know, where they can, like they're watching a movie now because we're wagged wagged school today called The Bullies. Um, But it was, um, yeah, it is it's uh, so I can't really so the movies that they like. It's so rare that I'm gonna like with them. But I watched a I went to a comedy show. It was on a comedy lineup, and there was a ventriloquist on it. Right. And, yeah, and he was very rude. He was not a kid's uh, ventriloquist, but I found myself just giddy. Right. I could not stop laughing. I like, and the whole crowd. Like, I think it was one of those things where. It is uh, if someone goes, Oh no, this is just too silly, then it's there's something wrong with them. But because everyone was like, But it's a silly doll, and we know that it's the man. Yeah. And it was so, and that was my baby, I don't know, maybe a, a year ago. And I came home, and in the morning, the girls were talking to me. So I pretended to like with one of their um teddy bears. Yeah. That are, and I pretended, and I was trying to do the mouth thing. Anyway, it turned out they don't, they're not actually looking at me at all because they are still, um, you know, very far from being switched on. So they were just staring at the teddy bear and were they were so they were giddy themselves. And so we've we've then transitioned from that to now. I use their brother. As uh, their baby, (laughs) my toy. Great. So he, I can, I can control what he says, not necessarily what he does, but often it's kind of like I don't know. in did theater sports, but you know, in that time where you uh, there's a a game where only one person can talk and the other person um, can move. So uh, and so then they have to make a scene where they're both making decisions. Yes. And they have to, you know, it's a whole yes and yes and yes. And so their, their little brother who's one has no idea what's going on, but I will be constantly being his voice and, you know, you know, walking over and putting something in the bin and then I'll pretend that he's having a huge tantrum and the restaurant's garbage and that he's never going to eat there again. And the girls love it so much. So what I reckon is kids love silly stuff so much, and that's a really obvious statement, but they're not embarrassed for me you know they're not like oh wow mum this yeah. is this you, you know you should be writing in complaints to the project it is more about like they're just, they just that if you if you do and this is like kind of what bluey's all about if you do kind of jump on into a game yeah. like with all your might with all your drama background might it um they love it so much yeah so when I have energy, that's, that's probably our fun place. You,
2: you should be uh well, are you filming uh these things that you're doing with your son? They they feel like you could be doing them as a regular Instagram. They yeah. You
1: know? That is very true. Give him give
2: him like a really like grown up name, you know, firm views with with yeah. Gary. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Yeah. About that's a really great idea. You might have to put on like a, you know, the 7:30 um report and just have his reaction which is always pretty he's quite uh frustrated with a lot of things. Right. So that would be funny. Yeah. Yeah, it is it, that part's probably the the most fun. So and they, so it's two girls that are coming up. How old are they?
2: Oh, the the girls are uh, like Izzy's 21 and Jasmine is uh what's Jasmine now? I think she's 14. So, but oh they've God. been into. Well,
1: they'll probably like silly games a bit less. But yeah, still.
2: they were into uh, K-pop from a young age, and then I've just I've just watched Sam go. Ah, they're into it, so that's good too. Anyway, my favourite is, <laughs> and I'm like,
1: <laughs> and then it's great just to
2: look at um, uh, her husband, uh, my mate Damien, and you can just see the life leave his eyes as it goes somewhere else <laughs> while they bang on about uh, uh, K-pop again. K-pop. It's so funny, yeah.
1: It is a mesmerizing K-pop. Yeah. What's fascinating about it is the how there's like yeah about fifteen people in each band. Yes.
2: Yeah. 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 I, and- I had them explain it all to me, and it was like okay. it, it, there's a mythology to it, and I think that's kind of the appeal, right?
1: Why are there fifteen? Like, what is that? It, because there are some. Most of them just dancers. Is there just one singer? I, I don't know enough no, I about don't know. it. I, I, feel,
2: enough I, I feel like if one goes down, it's easier to
1: <laughs> replace oh, yeah. them. I don't know. That's actually, yeah. Yeah, like, yeah I don't know. I think it, it feels a little band heavy yeah. or backup heavy, but that's okay. That's all right. It,
2: it, I, I think about okay. it from the touring point of view. Do you know what I mean? It's like, Jesus, their overheads are
1: outrageous. Yeah, huge. You're going to have a, need a giant bus. What are the bus lines called in Adelaide?
2: The Which one, sorry? The, the,
1: bus, the bus lines. Like in Canberra, they're called action buses. Oh, I don't know what they're called you know? in
2: Adelaide. I have no idea. God, there's so many things that from uh, for, you know I lived there for 29 years, but within two years, you, you've lost so much. Uh, like I'd yeah. go home and uh, someone would say, "I'll meet you on Perry Street," and I'm like, "Perry Street? Where the fuck is that?" And it's only one <laughs> of the main streets in Adelaide that I've known all my <laughs> it's life. <amazing> yeah, one. <laughs> so I have no but idea. Did you
1: not catch buses when you were in school? Yeah, yeah,
2: I just can't. It's a uh, for some reason I've got STA come to mind, but I don't know if that's correct either.
1: I don't know. It's a travel agency. Jeez, how far away was your school? Wasn't
2: that far. I used to walk
1: a lot. Oh, okay.
2: Yeah, yeah. I was. I was Man. mad for a, an hour walk or a forty-five minute walk, and you know, as I said, I felt in my own little head, blah blah blah, thinking yeah. about things. Oh, well,
1: you're a teenager, probably brooding.
2: Brooding. No
1: one understands me.
2: Nobody did understand me. That is a fact. <laughs> that is an absolute fact. What were you like?
1: Do they understand? You? Do they understand
2: you now? No, not at all. But it's um. <laughs> But I'm very comfortable with it now. I, I think I'm the only person who, uh, well, one of the few people who looks back at uh, specifically lockdown one with quite a bit of fondness because it was like, ah, oh. oh, now you know how I feel. <laughs> <laughs> Trapped in my apartment and <laughs> going about things. I started to panic when things opened up. It was like,
1: yeah, oh, no. that was actually a thing. No, I'm busy now.
2: Yeah. My, my, my day's full.
1: Yeah, There's no – I have to move these books from this side of the house to that side. There's no way I can fit you in any time this week. Goodbye. Bye-bye. I'm out of here. I found after lockdown finding my patience was very, like, thin for a lot of people. Did you – or is yours always thin for people? No,
2: no, no. My patience is – no, it's a really good uh, thing that you bring up because my patience is pretty good across the board, but Mm -hmm. for certain things I can't be, I can't cope with it anymore. And especially, once again, kind of tying back to, you know, someone complaining that that duck's not doing a fucking marathon. It's it's that kind of thing when people just kind of go into something to be negative or they're already talking it down or whatever. And I kind of think wow, the world is really shit at the moment and you Mm. can make a choice. You can make a choice on how you're going to deal with it. So you can either wallow in how shit everything is or you can just go, well, I'm going to enjoy this little thing. You know what I'm going to do? I'm going to obsess about this finale to Better Call Saul because it brings me a lot of joy. And, oh, yeah, I can see what's going on over in Taiwan and I can see what's going on in the Ukraine. And, oh, what's this new disease that seems to be sprouting up all over oh, the place. Yeah. You know what? I'm going to read 14 articles about why Kim Wexler is the best character <laughs> yeah, in the Breaking Bad universe.
0: Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen
1: I oh, better use your time. Yeah. yeah, I hate reading the news. I don't read the news anymore, unless I have to. Like when I do the work for, on the project, I have to read the news in the morning because we pitch story ideas. We're like, oh, what about this crazy person, and what about this funny thing, and we're just looking for the funny things or the silly things. Um, but unfortunately, you can't you can't skip all of the terror and anguish um because it can't you know it's a it's a bundle yeah it's a bundle deal and so i kind of like skim through them and i'm like oh yuck 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 yuck." and the funny bits i'm like yes and then i'll kind of sink my teeth into that one because i'm like this is the only news that matters to me right
2: well you know that you're the right age uh along with me in that there would have been a time where um You know, you'd watch the news, right? And 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 you you saw the news, and you caught up with the news, and you read a newspaper, and that, and you were done. But now, because it's twenty four seven, it's just it's it's just been this world of depressing shit over and over and Mm. over again, and it's it makes you disengage from the news to a certain extent as a means of protecting yourself.
1: Yeah, I reckon, it, and a lot of people. That's all they had time. Well, they had so much time in the lockdowns. Mm. They just keep. They just kept refreshing news.com.au and it was just awful. A pit of dis- despair. Yeah. What
2: was <laughs> the best thing you did in uh, in lockdown?
1: Uh, well, we moved in lockdown, so we were in Melbourne for I don't know fifteen years or something, or and then I moved. Then we. All of 2020 in Melbourne, and and that was really grim. Anyone from Melbourne will tell you, if you give them a second. Um, but it was yeah. So we, I kind of got to the end of that, and I, I was like, I'm freezing, and I'm and I'm sick of this lockdown. I feel like it felt like for a really long time that Victoria was the only, Pete, only kind of state that was really suffering. Like there were kind of little kind of splatters all over. But then obviously you know New South Wales. You know, you guys copped it pretty hard. Yeah. But we, when we were sick to death of it, we came up to Brisbane and we thought, we're well, just for a year. Um, and coming up here has been really great because I started my comedy just before COVID hit. I started doing comedy just before COVID hit in Melbourne. So I started and I, you know, went to open mics and died many times. And then they were like, oh, sorry, there's no more gigs. And it was actually such a relief right. like a lot of people no my god like, oh, how am I going to get my stage time but I was kind of you know it was quite wounded from um the um, just how painful open mic nights are especially being new and not exactly knowing how to ride a joke yeah. and just you know, the trial and error god, the teething stage was so sore I don't know if you remember it like yours was you know you started a long time before I did a long time. How old were you when you started?
2: I was uh, 21. So that's... Uh, yeah,
1: see, that's amazing. Yeah. But a lot of people are. I Like in in Melbourne and up here in Brisbane, a lot of comedians um, that I work with are very young. Um, and I just am amazed the confidence of a 21-year-old to be like, oh, I reckon I can do this i reckon i deserve that microphone like that took me a really long time to go oh well if it's not like some that person can do it i'll give it a go and also going to some a comedy night and being like this is horseshit like this is so bad right i reckon you can write something better and i you know when it came down to it i couldn't um but i just kept going and it finally got better so moving up to brizzy it was The crowds felt nicer and also I knew less people, so I felt less exposed standing in in front of a bunch of strangers that I was like, you guys are temporary to me. Right, And that sounds really nasty. But that's just how my brain was able to survive getting better. And also when you move to Brizzy from Sydney or Melbourne, they're like, oh, wow, so she must be you know, good. They had no idea that I I was so new and I refused to let them know because I'm a liar. And I was like, yes, obviously I'm famous. Um, You just haven't been watching the shows that I'm on. And then I just had to, I was. I put myself in a position where I just had to get better really fast. Um, And, yeah, so I reckon the best thing about the lockdown for me was moving to a city where I could fake it till I made it as quickly,
2: way faster than I could have in Melbourne. Yeah. So, you, are, are you being a little bit self-effacing by saying that all of the open mic gigs were bad? Because if if they were, oh yeah, they were
0: pretty bad. So, yeah.
2: what kept you motivated? What kept like there must have been okay. moments where you just had like a string of words lock into a way that you go, oh, I've just made a little bit of progress. So, was it something like that? Yes.
1: Yes, yeah, so my first ever gig was uh, at a um, it's a club in Melbourne called Club Voltaire, and I went uh, with my friend Claire Hooper, who's obviously very famous. But she was a mum at the school; like uh, our daughters were in the same class. That's how I met her. And after a while, she was like, "Oh." Do you want to try a comedy? And I was like, "What?" And it kind of—I remember when she said it. Uh, it was over text. That's right. She said it, it sent me a text message, and I was walking down my hallway, and I physically like knelt down into a ball because um, I was like, "That was probably the biggest kick in the dick that I've ever had in a good way." Like I was like, "Far out!" I actually think I do, right. and I'd never ever. Like kind of entertained that thought ever but when she just put it in a text I was like holy hell I think I actually want to try it and then I you know kind of asked a few people I was like is there something that do you think that and everyone obviously was like yeah cool because no one says don't do it because if they do because even people who think that I wasn't going to be going gonna to be any good yeah. you can't actually say don't do it can you no and also you can't if they did want me to crash and burn like that's hilarious you know (laughs) they'd be like yeah definitely do it give it a go you'd be so good so I went um I went to this open mic night with Claire Hooper and she was like I'll come as a supportive friend and because she's Claire Hooper the people who work there were like whoa that's amazing then they gave me a good spot in the lineup and I brought heaps of friends as well and I was like yeah yeah well I was like well how hard could it be like you know (laughs) And then it, it went really well. It went really well. Everyone laughed. Um, it, everything went great, and I was like, "So easy." I told you, comedy is easy. And then the next gig I did, I did the exact same set. the The next not the next night, but no one came with me. I was like, "Yeah, I'm fine. I'll go by myself. No big deal." And then I died but everyone died right right? everyone died that night because it was one of those dreadful ones where people it was basically just comedians kind of texting on their phones and then when it was their turn they got up and they'd do a bit you'd have to be pretty impressive to get a laugh but I don't think my set was any good anyway that's not to say it was their fault it was absolutely my fault and then so I think that You know, there were moments where go like, yes, that joke worked. Okay, I get it. And now, like, I did a joke on Saturday night that I did in my third or fourth ever gig, but it didn't get a laugh. And so I was like, oh, well, it's no good. And then I brought it back on Saturday and I got the biggest laugh of my set and I was like, oh, that was a good joke. So if I, like, look back at it, you know, amongst all of the broken jokes, there was, like, you know, kind of little, you know, bits of gravel that were worth something. Yeah.
2: Yeah, sometimes your, your ideas are uh, slightly ahead of your skill set. So maybe, you, you know, yeah. you have these skills now. So then you can bring back that idea and it's possibly just in delivery as well. You may have just, yeah. you might have just put an intonation in a slightly different place that just makes mm. the sentence pop and then turn it into a yeah. successful joke.
1: Absolutely. So I would have uh, had zero skills and the worst bomb I've ever had was on my sixth ever gig, and I think about it, you know, daily. Um, and I <laughs> went to, um a big deal. A big deal. But a big deal. I, uh, I was, so Claire Hoover, again, she was on it. She said, I'll get you as many gigs as I can. And she has only connections of, like, good people. She doesn't have, like, connections of, like, the small room runner, yeah. which are really where I needed to be. Yeah. She was like, oh, actually, I can get you on this spot in this room. Uh, it was, like, in, the, in, like, the suburbs, but it was, like, there were, like, 300 people there. Right. And I was, like, great. This is exciting. This is fun. I'd had, like, two weeks off drinking, so I felt really clear. And one of the reasons I stopped drinking, not that I would drink stacks, but I was, like, I heard that it just made you clearer. Yep. So I was, like, I really need my brain to work as best as I possibly can. So two weeks of no drinking up until this gig. And I was like, yeah, great. It's going to be really fun. And then I'd practice my set for days and days and days and days. And then the first person who got up, she killed. She did so well. And um, I was second and I was really excited because I was like, that looked really fun. She looked really fun, like she had the best time. She came off stage. She was elated. I went on and had did five minutes to the most silent room I think I've ever seen. And people were still, like, wiping their tears away from the previous comedian but with uh, uh, just dead faces. So I was like, <laughs> oh, God. And it was the longest five minutes of my life. And someone had said to me just before I went on, oh, this is good that you're doing this because Nick Cody is gonna, will be watching. He's headlining. He'll be watching. And I was like, oh, cool. And then my first couple jokes didn't go well. And then I think I panicked and just couldn't wait for it to be over. And I never did that set or any of those jokes ever again. Um, But I got off stage and I was like, I never want to see Nick Cody again. And then for two whole years... Every time his name came up in the media, every time you know, like, because he was on the radio up here, frizzy for a while, his picture was everywhere. I'd get this real horrible, dreadful pang in my guts. <laughs> I was like, oh, he's he'd remember me because you remember bombs. You remember when someone bombs really badly. Well, I do. So I was like, oh god, he'd remember me. He must sometimes think about. Oh, I remember how badly that girl did. And then I met him in Adelaide, just gone, the Adelaide Fringe Festival, the start of this year, March. And he said, oh, someone said, oh, this is Nick. Uh, this is Bron. And I said, hello. Oh my God, I have to tell you. And then I it just, vom- I just basically vomited all over him um, what had happened. And he was looking at me very blankly. And he said, I don't remember that. I think i came to the gig halfway through, maybe at the break. So he didn't even see me. He wasn't even there. It's a good lesson. It.
2: There's there's a couple of good lessons <sighs> there. One is your career is the most important thing in the world to you. And my career is the most important yeah. thing in the world to me. And <laughs> the things that we worry about and overthink are not real. Like it's
1: not real. Yeah. They're not real. It, They're so not real. It, he
2: may have been there. He probably just doesn't remember because it's he's a nice guy like he's not going to be you know uh yeah I'll get stuck into her so anyway I love that you brought it up we've all made yeah. we've all made that uh choice with people oh I just got to bring up blah 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 and someone's looking at you if to say I'm just meeting you. I'm not even quite sure what your first name is. I just uh, (laughs) was meeting you now. But uh, but what do you think went wrong? What do you think went wrong in that gig? Was it just did you come out a Uh, bit too excited? Do you think you?
1: No, I think I just was. um, So Claire said just before she brought me on, she said, do you want me to tell them that you're new? Yeah. And I was like, no, no, don't tell them that because they'll, they'll smell weakness and they'll be like, oh, they'll feel sorry for me. But one, I wish she told them yeah. that, that I was new, yeah. so they'd be far more forgiving when I couldn't pull it yeah. off. Um, and two, I wished—I uh, don't know—I really wished I didn't put so much weight on the gig. Like I, you know, like I said, took two weeks off drinking, and I love wine, but I was like, no, this is going to be a good gig, and then. Yeah, so two the pressure I put on that gig to to be perfect or to work yeah uh, was a little bit uh, it was a little bit down yeah it was down and then um also I wasn't ready for that gig and uh, the woman who was on before me her name is Eve Ellenbogen. she's American oh, yeah.
0: maybe
1: yep. you know she uh very frank re- great comedian really frank so when i came off into the green room um people did that thing which you know when you've you know you've done badly yeah and people will their voices go too high yeah. like really Like i heard some laughs i heard someone like and i was like oh my god no no i just know that was so bad uh and not, but I was like, oh, thank you for trying. And then Eve looked at me and she was like, it's pretty bad, babe. And I was like, yeah, thanks. And she said, uh, don't worry about it. I also, at the start of my career, I also got a gig I wasn't ready for at the start. And it actually set me back. It took me ages to get to recover from it. And that's just what happened to you just now. And at the time, I was insulted because I was like, "How dare she say that I wasn't ready for this gig in the suburbs?" In like you know, in this like the, the, you know, bumfuck end of the suburbs in in Melbourne. But really, it was a big night where people would pay for tickets, yeah. and it was three hundred people. Doesn't no matter where we were, it was still three hundred ticket uh, people who were willing to be there. Um, and so she absolutely had a point. But it took me uh, probably uh, probably a year to see where she was coming from or to let my ego just calm down enough to be like, oh, no, she was absolutely right. I was not ready for that kick." Oh, yeah. at all.
2: I would never say anything <laughs> to a comedian who's just come off stage and their adrenaline's still up to their eyeballs as well because nothing's going to come through uh, correctly because it's going to be filtered through that, everything yeah. being in high definition. So, yeah. you know, of course, that that advice is – and also it's <sighs> – I understand where Eve's coming from, but you can also not do gigs that you're not like, you can actually hold yourself back by not outreaching yourself, you know? Like there was Mm -hmm. a guy when I was uh, first uh, performing in Melbourne back in the 90s who used to very, very free with his advice, love to give advice and, you know, Mm -hmm. and you'd be sitting there going, I'm just trying to have a drink and he'd be detailing where you went wrong. And he would, and he used to say, (laughs) you know, you're not ready to headline. And it's like I've got 25 minutes of gold. I've got 25 minutes mm. of gold and people keep asking mm. me to headline but I'm not going to say yes until I've got 30 minutes of gold and I never saw him headline because you got to um, you got to headline with your 25 minutes and have five minutes of panic yeah. to go, I've got to get to
1: 30. Yeah. Oh, gosh. Yeah, No. and that's right and you forget like that what you think is 25 minutes might actually not be 25 minutes at all, especially if you have a little bit of banter. Also, if, you know, there's... What is time? What is time in this day and age? But there's a a bloke up here in Queensland who always speaks down to me a lot. I think he does that to me. It's a weird power play that he's A male
2: comedian talks down to a female comedian. I know. It is
1: really, I know, it's really unheard of. In (laughs) 2022. No. But the first time it happened, I was like, oh, no, I kind of know what, I know what you're doing. But I've watched him do it to people, um, that have had less of, I guess, a grasp on the type of personality he is and take it on board. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just, but this is like there's no rules of what you can and can't say yeah. in comedy. I know there's kind of like, you know, vague ones, like, oh, maybe don't um, touch her there. Uh, but they're like, oh, maybe. Uh, so, it, it you know. The Me too. I feel like the Me Too thing didn't really hit comedy, like, from what I can gather. Um, personally, I've been unaffected, but I've that what I've watched, witnessed of like what is okay and what is not okay is very blurred in comedy. And then, um, and then when it comes to people being quite patronizing with their advice, again, there's no rules there, right. So maybe don't say that to them, or maybe don't say you're not ready, or maybe da da da. Like I, I was the other night, I was saying oh, I did this gig and I headlined, uh, and I hadn't said the headline bit yet. I just said I was just doing a gig because the headline bit was irrelevant to the story. Yeah. And this person was like, "So you were at this gig?" I was like, "Yeah." And then I keep telling a different person the story. So where were you on the lineup? I was like, uh, "I don't near the, at the end." Okay. Oh, so what does that mean? Like, well, we, when you were at the end, Bron, what does that mean? I was like, it just, oh, I was the headliner. Oh, that's interesting. I guess they'll let anyone. Okay. I'm like, all right. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. I bet that's, yeah, that, I is. bet they're average. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know they're one of. I think they are. Very, they're very confident, and they are one of those people who um, uh, who's very who's who is good, but people don't like working with them, right? And that, yeah. there's a lot. Like I've met. I was having a conversation with someone recently. Like there's lot, in comedy, you have to be. I think it's like you have to be kind. Like you have to not be. You have to be a bit likable. Well on off stage it helps to get, do you know, like a surely, I don't know. and I don't know, I don't know, again, I'm very new, but I reckon that they would probably get more things if they weren't such an asshole.
2: Yeah, you know, they're, they're, some assholes rise to the top, but, uh you know, <laughs> but it does help things. It just makes life easier as well.
0: It's, yeah. it's, it's not
2: that hard to be engaged. It's not that hard to be fine to hang out with. It's, it's mm. really easy. All you have to do so is not be an arsehole and just kind of yeah. joke around and listen to what the other person's doing and mm. joke off the back of it, you know. Mm. Yeah.
1: Or if you hear someone gets a headline spot that you maybe t- perhaps don't agree with or it's wounded your ego in some way, just walk away. Who gives a shit? <laughs> like, yeah, say it's someone else. Yeah. Don't bring it up with the person. Yeah.
2: Why don't you, it's it's once again, I'd prefer it if that person just said, sorry, you getting that headline spot has made me feel really bad about my career.
1: Yeah.
2: yeah. So yeah, I, I, I can't engage anymore. <laughs>
1: that is why I'm leaving. Yeah. Great. I, I, I
2: wish, uh, I think the, uh, getting back to the Claire story, I think the, the the only mistake that was actually made there was if you'd let Claire say, uh this next comedian has literally just started. Has a handful mm. of gigs under her belt. She's really raw, but I really think something special is happening here. And yeah. here is an opportunity for you to be on board right now.
1: Um, and yeah. then you could have gone. And out. she gave me the option. Yeah. Yeah. I totally. Yeah. They would have been far more receptive because yeah. they would have watched they... you
2: with the correct context. Because and then yes. by not giving you that context, they compared. They were comparing you to everyone else who was. more experienced
1: absolutely and they had uh and i also i was not experienced enough to have any kind of flexibility with my set Mm. i Mm. only had that many minutes i only had that many jokes i'd rehearsed it to the nth degree i knew exactly where each word was um and the person who was on before me eve so good she had really filthy jokes and the crowd loved it so much Mm. so I couldn't be like, okay, I'll do, not that I have many filthy jokes, but I could be like, oh, okay, so I'll change that word to that word or I'll insinuate this or whatever. Yeah. Um, but I was like, oh, no, all of my stuff is pretty pretty clean, pretty whatever, pretty um, easy to process. Um, nothing's really on the nose. So I, it's a very different gear. Sh- it was a completely different gear shift. Um and Hoops did, yeah, Claire did give me the option. She was like, do you want me to say on you? But I just, you're right. I just did not think that that was a good idea. And retrospectively, I know I was so wrong. <laughs> yeah. And I told you, I, would th- I tomorrow I'll be on a different podcast. I'll talk about it then. Yeah. <laughs> Next day, I'll, <laughs> you, 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 I'll never let it. You go. know what will
2: happen. It'll be like, um, you know, when you break up with someone and you think, how am I ever going to get over this person? And then there's <laughs> that day where that person pops into your head and you're like, "Fuck, I haven't thought about them in ages," and it's kind of like this bittersweet moment where you go, "Ah, oh, this is nice. I've moved on, and I mm. guess that time is over." And I guarantee yeah. that'll happen about this gig. Oh, like it, God, it will, it, so it will bad. disappear.
1: Yeah, I think I've, I've accepted it. I think I've got it. But it took, honestly, I reckon it took two and a half years to um, to look at it without um wanting to drive into a tree. Yeah. Like I was like, it's okay. Yeah. It's all right. And everyone, do you know what was worth? I think one thing that was super bad about it is because I just started and I was so excited. Remember I explained that feeling of when I when Hoops said, why don't you start comedy? Yeah. And I, I had like a physical response to that. Um, I was so excited that and before this – um. Before uh, I was a comedian, I was a teacher, a high school teacher for like ten years, and so and that was um wildly unrewarding, uh as you can imagine. um And I, I, I you know, I was so excited that there was like a, a different shift, like a, a change of direction, like a possible, potential change of direction yeah. where I could actually really love my job. And I was like, oh my god, can you? And also, it was like like it was i had a real life example living down the street from me which was claire hooper of someone who could actually do it our kids went to the same school our kids were born a day apart we would have been in the same labor ward at the same time i was like oh yeah this is a woman just like me she's got so many things in common with me but she's got a job that i want or she's just doing something that i want so everything kind of all the stars aligned and i was like holy moly I could actually do this. And I felt like that leap from being, um, you know, in this kind of monotonous safe space and taking this leap to something different was terrifying. But once I started, I was like, this is exciting and I have to commit to this somehow. I would still be a teacher, but I was like committing to this decision. And so I was excited about it and I talked about it uh, in my staff room at school. I'm I am good like you know, I did my first gig, it went really well, I'm really excited. Blah, blah, blah. Um, so I talked about comedy probably too much. True, <laughs> uh, through just being yeah. yeah,
2: no, that's the start of becoming a comedian. It's talking about comedy too much.
1: <laughs> to people who absolutely don't care. Yeah. And so this guy that I shared an office with, he uh, he was like he was quite curious he was like oh wow so you're actually doing comedy I was like yeah which is a response I like a reaction I had quite often oh you're too oh wow that's really brave I was like thanks 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 and then when I said that I had this gig in this suburb really far out he was like oh my god that's really close to my house I was like god is it and he was like yeah it is my wife and he got he and his wife came and they got a babysitter they would come to this gig, and I could I could see where they sat. Amazing. <laughs> and so, whilst I was dying, I could see his beard, and her sometimes just looking at him like with kind of like confusion, like is she trying? Is this what she's trying to do? Is this? And then I had to go to work the next day and sit near him, and he couldn't even look at me. He went, "Yeah, great. It was good. It was really good. Yeah, you did really. It was." And I was like, no, no, it was. It's usually better than that. It's you, you came to a really bad one. It was, and then I was, you know, again over-explaining how comedy works uh, to someone who one didn't care. Coming from someone who didn't understand comedy, I was like, I don't know what I'm doing. And so every time I'd come to work and I'd see him, I was just reminded of just seeing his beard in the in the light whilst I died.
2: Yeah, <laughs> we've all got stories like that. I I watched a friend turn their back on me once. You know, so. Oh, wow, that's good. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, (laughs) FYI, never forgotten it and uh, have uh, never forgiven them. They don't know, but in the back of my head, they always get 75% of my attention when we're hanging out.
1: <laughs> yeah, some some wounds remain. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's all right. Yeah.
2: Well, uh, we should finish up, but I also just before we finish up, I want to say we did a week of gigs together in Sydney at the Sydney Comedy Store. I'd never met you before and you were fantastic. So we've talked about you having bad gigs, but everyone listening mm. needs to know you are fantastic and we had a really good <laughs> time and you did really well at the store. So I don't want anyone to get confused just because we only talk about the bad gigs because the good gigs uh, yeah, I did this gig and I was really funny and everything went really well, the end, and I felt good about myself yeah. and I ate a sandwich. Like, who gives a shit,
1: yeah. right? Who gives a shit? Yeah. It's true. And also no one ever wants to see it. Like, hey, I saw this guy and he said, you should be a headliner. And I said, yeah, because you sound like a dick. So you want to yeah. hear the stories where someone says, Someone scoffed at me yeah. when I said I was a headliner. See, this is, this is why this episode's been really interesting because I've shown my most vulnerable side. Yeah. Where <laughs> my failures? Yeah.
2: And when you see uh, you on stage, uh, when people see you live, there will be none of that vulnerability. That will yeah. be, none. do not mistake <laughs> this chat for something <laughs> that anyone can take advantage of because you'll be destroyed. <laughs> um, where can people find you, Bron?
1: Oh, I'm on the social media, uh, uh, Instagram, uh, Bron Lewis yep. Yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, and you know, and um, also that's the same for TikTok. I'm trying to do t- I'm starting it, but there's like you know, I'm I'm feeling weird about it. But you know, gotta give. I'm giving it a go. Yeah, uh, TikTok and Instagram, and that's about it. I'm going to. Uh, I mean, I'm actually heading to Edinburgh tonight. Oh, really? I'm going to Edinburgh tonight? Yeah, yeah great. So- Yeah, I'm going to Edinburgh tonight um, for a few weeks and then I think I'm going to Perth at some stage. Who knows? When I come back, I'm just, you know, I'm really, really using all of the favours with everyone looking after my kids by constantly leaving them, you know? It'll be good. Just It'll be good. With
2: uh, with, uh, 10% of your earnings, just put that into their therapy Uh, account and then you can uh and on their 21st you can each one of them you can say and here's 10 lessons or 10 therapy sessions (laughs) you'll be
1: fine it'll be good yeah hopefully they get a mental health plan because it's not heaps of money in comedy uh, for me Uh, but that's okay the night is young yeah
2: the, the night is young i think you're uh on the right track and uh You should be headlining, and fuck whoever that person is who I'm going to ask you who it is (laughs) as soon as we stop recording. So (laughs) thanks, Bron. Thank you. Thank you to Bron for being my guest today. Keep an eye out for it. I think she's going to be kicking more and more goals over the next couple of years. And uh, we'll have to get her back as well. She's just got such a unique take on everything. And I I, I just really love her honesty as well. Uh, remember, next week, I'm releasing the two-part Big Squid live show that was recently recorded in Adelaide. And we also have Rove McManus returning soon with a special two-part space podisy. Let's finish today with a quote from the legendary Lucille Ball. One of the things I learned the hard way was that it doesn't pay to get discouraged. Keeping busy and making optimism a way of life can restore your faith in yourself. Really good advice for very tricky times, I think. Until then.